Hey y'all! Welcome to Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. I'm Abby Artemisia of The Wander School. Each episode, I bring you stories, tips, and tricks from foragers and wildcrafters around the world to empower you on your wild path. Please remember to practice safe foraging by being 100% positive of your identification before consuming anything wild. Happy listening! Come on, everyone, and gather around. Listen to the soothing in this sound. I'm here to tell you that medicine don't come from a pill, it grows in the ground. The medicine we need grows all around us. Today, I am really excited to talk to a friend of mine who's an herbalist and introduce you to her. And she's someone who I really admire and I admire the business that she has created as well, doing lots of cool things with herbal education, especially for children, and makes amazing products. So we'll talk all about that. And before we start that, I just wanted to remind you to please like this podcast and share it widely with all of your friends who you think would love to know about herbs. Please subscribe and please leave us comments and questions. You can also support the production of this podcast and get cool bonus material like the bonus interview that we're going to be recording after this at patreon.com slash the wonder school and you'll get all kinds of extra ongoing botanical education too so please check that out and support if you're able so today we're talking to my friend jennifer galbraith and I'm going to let her introduce herself because I loved reading her bio and how she got to where she is and what she's doing now. So hi, Jennifer. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Um, it's, you know, there's this thing that happens often with herbalists and teachers where we see each other at events and farmers markets. And we're like, we should hang out, we should talk. And then like, you never see each other until the next event. So I'm super psyched to get to talk to you more in depth today. And why don't we just jump right in? Why don't you tell us about what you do and how you got there? All right, so I own Meadowlark Farms School of Folk Medicine and we're located in Spartanburg County in South Carolina, um, upstate South Carolina. And what I do is basically I grow, make, sell, and teach herbal folk medicine. Um, and my emphasis is mostly on the teaching side of it. When I got into it, uh, it was really hard to find people locally that would teach me. I did end up finding some different people that taught me things and took some online courses and did a lot of reading and self-teaching um, because I believe that a lot of herbalism is really um, going and doing it and getting your hands on 
the herbs and plants and um, finding out what they do for you. So I got into it um, initially for um, my husband at the time was on a lot of medications and it seemed like one was causing the next and causing the next and it was a snowball effect. So we started finding different herbal remedies that would help him. Then I decided I was just going to start making them myself and, you know, friends and family and everybody started wanting the same thing. And we're seeing this big um, surge, I think, in the United States in general of people wanting to get back to more natural eating habits and getting off prescription medications and and that sort of thing. And uh, so I decided to start teaching. So I do a lot of hands-on workshops here or other places that host me. And I also love to teach children because I think it's so important to start young um, and learning that you know, the plants that they're outside just playing in the yard and playing with different plants um, and doing different things, learning that those, you know, have a purpose and aren't just there for, for no reason. So that's what I do. That's so great. There is so much that you said there that I just feel so deeply, um, including, yeah, that I, I was a lot self-taught too, and along with having some great teachers, but I do feel like that part is important in getting our hands dirty and kids getting their hands dirty. So yeah, I'm really glad that you shared that. And can you tell us a little bit more about what you do in your business? So in my business, besides the teaching, because I do have some, you know, especially for children, I have some online curriculum and stuff that is available. I also make the tinctures and teas. And a lot of times it's stuff that people call me and say, Hey, I've got these different things going on. And so I will talk to them and find out what's really going on because a lot of times it's dietary or environmental things that they can't treat um, with just a simple diet change. You know, I do try to make custom blends and stuff like that. Like specifically, I have a chemo care tea that was originated from somebody who needed help while they were going through chemotherapy. Um, and it's helped a lot of people with that. So most of my business because of COVID now is online, but I do also do markets and festivals and sell through that sort of venue as well. Um, and of course, local pickup and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a lot. And it leads into something I wanted to talk to you about which I have a lot of people ask me, you know, how do you make a living as an herbalist? (laughs) And this isn't something that we were originally going to talk about, but as we were talking before we started recording, I was like, wow, I would love to talk to you about this because it's, I think one can be difficult, especially if you don't know what you're doing or you're just getting into it or you don't have business experience. Uh, And two, it doesn't always look like what we think it will look like. I know people look at my work in my life and they're like, wow, I wish I had your life so I could just frolic in the forest all day every day. (laughs) And I'm like, if only that were the truth. So yeah, there's a lot of administration work that goes into it. Definitely. I'm sure for you there is as well, and a lot of herb processing, um, preparing for markets, and that kind of thing. So I would love to hear 
what goes into it, maybe just a summary, but also like beyond the physical, what goes into it, like how do you actually logistically and financially make it work as an herbalist to support yourself? Right. So the first thing that you have to know, and I think this is true for any small business, is that it's not going to be a consistent income mm -hmm. um, and you have to prepare for that. Um, and I don't always do that well. I don't think everybody does. But, um, you know, there's some weeks that I make three times more than I'm going to make the next week. And there's some weeks I don't make anything. But a lot of having a business like this is marketing being able to sell yourself if that makes sense but you need yes. to be able to get yourself out there think of different venues and places you know just for instance the other day i was driving down the road and i saw this little country store and i said hmm, i'm gonna stop in there and i brought them my card and told them what i do but you have to be able to be comfortable doing stuff like that i feel like if you're gonna make a business out of this if you're not comfortable just walking up to somebody and saying hey i'm an herbalist and i make this stuff and are you interested in carrying it in your store you know it's going to be very difficult for you but i've always had the gift of gab so i can kind of <laughs> i can kind of talk to anybody about anything at any time so yes um. <laughs> i totally yeah i think we're a lot alike in that way um because people always ask me how do you know all these people you know how do you have all these connections whether it be like well-known herbalists or like menus or whatever and it is and you know I've become more introverted as I've gotten older but I still luckily am more extroverted than introverted and definitely comes out my podcast but um, <laughs> but yeah I I think so much of how I've gotten to where I am is through just being brave even when I don't want to be and just being like this person knows a lot of people. I'm going to go up and say hello. And like, oftentimes what we don't realize and a little off topic, but I know that there's a lot of beginning herbalists listening to this. When you go to a conference, sometimes some of those really well-known herbalists will just be sitting by themselves because people are too intimidated to approach them yep. and they're just regular people. So I really encourage y'all to try to get out of your shell and go talk to people because it's an invaluable experience. And like Jennifer is saying, um, you'll find new venues for your products and for teaching and all of that. So I'm so glad you, you shared that. Yeah. And the other thing I just want to mention is I, I feel like when you're in the herbal arena um, as an herbalist or, you know, teacher, it's a lot different than a lot of other a lot of other careers where it's not the competition. I don't feel like is there. Like uh, if you went up to another herbalist um, at a conference and just said, Hey, I'm an herbalist too. It's not a competitive thing. You know, people are willing to share and help. And um, you know, if some, if an herbalist calls me and says, Hey, what do you do for this such and such a thing? I'm going to give them what I make, you know, I'll tell them how I make it. And I think that's different than a lot of other businesses. Yes, that's so true. That is a big part of what I love about herbalism. It's so much about collaboration and not about competition. And I was actually just thinking about this the other day. Maybe I'll make it into a class like making a living as an herbalist. <laughs> but 
and it, it, it hasn't been easy. I will say that. <laughs> there are just so many pieces to it, but oftentimes if you just go ask an herbalist, like, how do you do this? How have you made this work for you? They will talk to you about it. So please do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to interrupt you. Um, can you kind of share with us and it doesn't have to be an exact percentage, but maybe kind of what your time is split between, because I've always heard, I've studied a lot of business actually, and my head doesn't always work that way because I'm a Pisces. It kind of goes all over the place, but I know they say it's really important to have multiple streams of income. And I think that is the ultimate key to success as an herbalist. <laughs> and I know that you have that. So could you just share with us some, what some of those streams are and maybe which ones you focus on and the prep that goes into them? Like you have your uh, online curriculum, which we're actually going to talk about in the bonus interview for patrons on Patreon. So check that out. But I know that's part of what you do along with products and markets. And it right. sounds like you, you have some herbal clients as well. So sure. like how much of your time is devoted to each of those or does it change? And how have you made those parts translate into income? Right. So prior to COVID, I was doing markets every Saturday, doing festivals, you know, once or twice a month. Um, and festivals take up a good bit of time because not only are you prepping and getting stuff ready to bring, like product to bring, um, but you're sitting there all day on a Saturday or sometimes all day Saturday and Sunday and set up and whatnot. So those are time consuming. I haven't, you know, been doing those as much um, post COVID. Um, but I still spend at least a couple of hours a day online, either posting on Instagram or emailing people or posting to Facebook. Um, one great little shortcut is if you're posting on Instagram, it posts directly to Facebook, so you don't have to do both. But I try to do little live videos, stuff like that, just to keep content fresh. So that's definitely, you know, time consuming. Plus, of course, you know, my phone number, my cell phone number is on everything. So, you know, I get, you know, I got woken up this morning by somebody who was placing an order that needed some dandelion root coffee. Um, so that's something, you know, you kind of have to be um, aware of that you kind of have to be available 24 seven when somebody um, calls. Um, but for the most part, I mean, I go out and harvest stuff when it's ready and dry stuff and that sort of thing. But that's stuff that I can do with my family. You know, my son can be outside playing while I'm picking stinging nettles or, you know, whatever. So that part of it, I feel like can kind of overlap. Um, and I don't have to really put that time aside necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, that's part if you're, you know, like I'm a, a single mom. So for me, um, finding ways to, have my children be involved is really important to me. Yeah. And um, that makes it so that you don't feel like, you know, you're spending three, four hours every day by yourself. You can't talk to your children. You know, I think finding ways to let your children be involved really helps. Yeah, it really does. And it is a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> I 
for sure. I remember those days and now, especially when everybody's home, uh, it can be hard. So giving you a lot of respect for that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad too that you mentioned that marketing piece. Honestly, that is so much of my time is the marketing and consistency is really important. And if I were not a business person, I probably wouldn't be on social media at all. <laughs> so <laughs> just be aware if you're going into this business, you have to expect to be posting, I mean, ideally every day, which I don't do, but ideally you would be. And then also doing longer videos and things. And I know that you just got onto TikTok as oh well. <laughs> I've been super enjoying your TikToks. So, um, which I, I'm such a dork, you know, I had to learn from my daughter about TikTok and then learn that you don't call it a TikTok video. It's just a TikTok. So. Uh, yeah. My 15 year old daughter taught me cause I really was completely clueless. I couldn't even figure out how to view the videos. Never mind record. One. Right. I know it's really confusing. So that's what teenagers are good for. So if y'all yeah. are listening and you have a teenager, Talk to your teenager about helping you with social media. <laughs> yeah, so that that all is super helpful. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. And I know that today you are going to share with us one of your favorite wild herbs because we are talking about wandering, foraging, and wildcrafting. So what herb do you want to talk to us about? One of my favorite things, and I Think it's more because it's fun when you just happen to come across them. One of my favorite things to forage for is actually, this may seem actually kind of funny, but is black walnut because we have a ton of it down here and people don't know what they are because they look like little limes when you find them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've had so many people message me and be like, what is this thing? <laughs> and I also just think there's so much fun to process. Yeah. Um, and especially if you have little ones when you're processing them. So for me, I tincture it um, because black walnut is wonderful to be taken as for internal parasites and that sort of thing. It really just cleanse your body. Um, amazing, like a real good quick cleanse to get anything out of your system. But if you do a lot outside, it's so easy to pick up some sort of you know, little parasites here and there, which mm -hmm. you don't realize you're picking up, <laughs> yep. um, especially children, because yep. they stick their hands in their mouth right after they're playing in the dirt where the neighbor's cat went to the bathroom. Right. You know, they don't know. But when you cut it open, it instantly starts turning black. And I just find it fascinating. And kids find it fascinating. Um, so we've made ink out of it as well, because that's what they used to make ink out of was black walnut. One of yes. the yeah. <laughs> and it's so fun to make the ink and let them kind of draw in it, you know, draw little things with it. It will stain your hands, fair warning. So use gloves unless you want to have black hands for days. But you use, you don't actually use the nut and you can get down to the nut and keep the nut and preserve it and dry it. But you're using that little flesh in between the green skin and the nut. And like I said, I tincture it. I actually use local moonshine for all of my tinctures. Fun fact. Oh, look at you. Well, I mean, listen, you're in North Carolina. I'm in South Carolina. Right. Um, there's lots of local moonshine distilleries around. Yes. 
And the wonderful thing about local moonshine distilleries is they will let you tour their facility. Nice. So you are getting to see how that is being made. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like how it's being made, you go somewhere else. So buying stuff just off the shelf to, you know, make your tinctures with, to me, it seems silly nowadays with all of these little moonshine distilleries, just go and tour it and see how it's being made before you make your decision where you're, what you're going to use. So I tincture it and then take it internally. I've also used it on pets that it's great for pets. They don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Now, is it safe to use for cats? Because I know cats and horses are tricky, and I think it's not safe for horses. So I don't know about horses. Um, right. I could definitely look that up, but I don't know about horses. But I have used it on a cat. We got a kitten. We actually still have her now, but I got her last um, summer, and she was very sickly. We found her, and I brought her home, and that was I gave her um, black walnut tincture probably twice a week for like the first month. And as well as she had like an eye infection, I just cleaned and cleaned her eye infection, but I gave it to her like twice a week for a month. She hated it. As soon as she saw the dropper coming, she freaked out, but she's a perfectly healthy little kitten now. So that's so cool. What, um, how do you get that husk off? Cause there's, you know, there's different methods. And I actually did talk about black walnut on the last book club last week. So if you want to check it out, that recording is also on patreon.com slash the wander school. Thanks patrons. I wish I had a good trick. I don't, I just, I go into it initially with a knife very carefully. Sometimes if I have a really good pair of big scissors and it's a smaller one, I may cut a little corner off to kind of get you in there Mm -hmm. and then use the knife to cut it. But if you have a wonderful secret, I would love to know because I don't know a good secret to get that up. It's a project. Yeah. Um, what I've done before is honestly, I don't necessarily take the outer part off, but one of my students told me what he does is just take the immature nuts because they don't have a nut inside of there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mostly just that husk or that hull and cut through it all the way with a knife because they're a lot softer when they just blow down from the trees, which most of us at this point, it's too late for that, but um, good to know for next year. And you just cut them in half, cover them in alcohol. Otherwise I just use like a box grater and then just, yes. Stop it. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Listen, I'm learning today. That is fantastic. Well, I'm learning for you from you. So that's a great trade. That's why I love talking to people. So great. So yeah, good plug. Talk to people you know about herbs. Yeah. <laughs> learn things every day. Yeah, but a box grater. And then I just grate it off. You know, your your hands will turn brown, but only for a few days, or you could wear gloves. It's all good. Right. So yeah. I usually just walk around with brown hands. Right. It's kind of fun. You could like just pretend it's henna, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you tincture it and then you give it to humans and animals for parasites, right? Correct. Yeah, that's generally for parasites. Like I said, I have taken it when I've just had something, you know, some sort of illness or ick in my system that I cannot kick. Mm-hmm. Um I've taken it for that too, because my thought process is if it flushes out parasites, it probably will flush out just about anything. 
but yeah, because you know, if you can't get it out, I mean, I, I love cleavers to flush out your system. That's another one that I is usually my first go-to, but you know, if something's really stubborn in there, I will take the black walnut. Cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad you talked about that because I know so many people who just hate black walnuts. They're like, oh, they're just ankle breakers. You know, they're, <laughs> they're trouble. I'm like, y'all, that is food. That is medicine. That is dye. So what I would recommend is if you have a black walnut tree and it's pretty prolific to, and you have a little money to invest, actually get a black walnut cracker. If you don't, honestly, you can run over them in your car and um, that will work. They do, like Jennifer said, they have to be cured first for a few months. So you have to put them out somewhere. Um, I found out from one of my favorite people and friends, Doug Elliott, what he does is he has like a chicken wire cylinder cage on his porch. Be aware it will die, whatever, whatever is under it. <laughs> um, but he'll just keep them like that so the squirrels can't get in and then they'll cure like that and then you can crack them after that. But they're, I think they're delicious. Some people think they're bitter, but you can bake them into like banana bread and things like that and they're wonderful so yeah bitter isn't bad that's right we need <laughs> oh that's that's that might be my new bumper sticker bitter isn't bad i love it <laughs> um yeah it isn't we all need it most of us don't get enough of it and i always say in my teaching you know that is supposedly the reason why americans consume so much beer and coffee because oftentimes it's the only place we get bitter and our bodies crave it. So right. instead of drinking lots of beer and coffee, you can moderate and just have black walnuts and greens. And yeah, absolutely. Or, yeah, your fabulous dandelion coffee blend, which I would freaking love if you told us about because it is so delicious and I... I cannot like figure out how you came up with the idea for all the ingredients in there and especially the creamer that was so smart. It's like, y'all, it's delicious. So will you just talk for like two minutes about it? I would love to. So I initially, um, so coffee, regular coffee does not generally agree with me. Mm -hmm. And I apologize. I have two um, potbelly pigs and so they're <laughs> wandering around my feet. You probably hear <laughs> snorting. But I wanted to get off of coffee, so um, I started looking into alternatives for it. Um, and what kept coming up was Dandy Blend. So I purchased some Dandy Blend and brought it home and realized that the ingredients in Dandy Blend are not that wonderful and medicinal. And I was really disappointed. It tastes wonderful but a lot of it comes from rye and I don't know, some other things. I just didn't see why they were in there. So I decided to try to make my own. Um, and I did talk to an herbalist friend of mine, um, Angelina Schumann, and um, asked her what her thoughts were on it and kind of bounced some ideas off of her and came up with the blend of dandelion root, ashwagandha, and chicory root. So the chicory root, um, is what really gives it the coffee flavor. Mm -hmm. um, and then the dandelion just really helps you. It's just, it's a bitter, like we were just talking about, 
but it helps with your digestion. It helps keep clear your lymphatic system. So that is just something that people should be having more of anyway, whether you take it in coffee or tea or tincture or what, what have you. And then ashwagandha is um, an adaptogen. And we were talking briefly about this before we came on, but adaptogens are just something that we all really need right now. We all need them in general, but yes. we really need yeah. them right now. And adaptogens are herbs that are going to help your body adapt. Why they're called adaptogens. So they help your body adapt to changes in seasons and high stress situations, illnesses. So they help your body kind of get over that barrier, that hurdle of whatever it is that is making your body go crazy because stress and changes in seasons and all of that can also add to inflammation in your body and trouble digesting and all sorts of other problems. To add really quickly, if you're listening to this podcast somewhere that is not attached to thewanderschool.com, please go to thewanderschool.com because you'll find a blog all about this episode, which includes Jennifer's bio and a great recipe that she shared with us for adaptogen tea. And I'm so glad that she chose that recipe to share because with everything, all of the craziness that's going on in the world right now, we really, really do need adaptogens. And um, I have been talking to people lately who have said and shared, and myself included, uh, with this time where a lot of us have been given a chance to actually stop whether that means mm. stop working, stop moving, stop traveling, you know, stop the stress of the daily grind. It actually has given our systems time to stop as well, which means that they have time to process all the stress that we've been in for so long. And that has caused some things to come out that were kind of just like waiting until we had time to process them. So if you're feeling like you're really fatigued, you're having digestive issues, uh, you're having a lot of anxiety, you're definitely not alone. And there's a very good chance that your adrenals are popping up to say hello. So it's a really good time to focus on adaptogens. So please go check sure. out that recipe at thewanderschool.com. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for sharing it. And I'm going to let you talk some more about your dandelion coffee. Yeah. So that is another point, um, too, that you just made about feeling fatigued. So the ashwagandha actually is going to give you a little bit of a natural energy boost. And, but it does not, it's not like a caffeine high and then a crash. Um, it's going to be more of like a gradual energy boost. Um, throughout the day. But also in the coffee, I have what I refer to as my creamer, quote unquote. Um, there is no cream in it. Um, it's actually the cream portion of it is arrowroot powder. But what I also have in there is reishi mushroom. And reishi mushroom, to me, is another one of these plants that's very underutilized. Because people hear mushroom and they're like, oh, I don't like mushrooms, which I don't know how you can't like mushrooms, but 
lots of people don't like mushrooms. But there are so many ways now that you can get your hands on reishi mushroom that don't taste like reishi mushroom. But it is another one that's going to really help your immune system. It's going to help with um, inflammation in your body. There's, you know, endless, it's an adaptogen. There's endless reasons you need to be having reishi mushroom. And I do also put cacao in there. So you get like a nice little chocolatey flavor mm -hmm. to it. Basically what people tell me that it tastes like, um, it's basically like a nutty, chocolatey, almost a hazelnut type of a flavor. And it is brewed just like regular coffee. So you can put it in a French press, in your coffee pot, whatever, a little stovetop percolator. We've done it in that. We've even put it in the little reusable pods for our Keurig. So it's very versatile. Yeah, it's delicious, y'all. Please, please go check it out. What's your website, Jennifer? So the website is www.meadowlarkfarms with an S and then SC as in South Carolina.com. Cool. Ah. Yeah, so go check that out, please. Thank you for sharing that. It's mm, delicious <laughs> and helpful for everyone right now. Yeah. So um, I know that you do have lots of wild plants in your recipes and your remedies that you make. So why is it important to you to add wild plants and wild herbs into your recipes? So for me, it really started and stemmed from if I am going to make something um, and I want to bring it to you. I want it to have some good energy. Um, I don't want it to just be some random box store. You can go on Amazon and purchase anything you want. But if you're going to purchase for me, it's going to be something that I made that I went out and foraged and was fresh and processed by me. There are still some herbs that I do order in um, only because I can't either. I can't get them here. They don't grow here or um, I just need far too much of them. But I think it's important, you know, like we talked about in the very beginning about being hands-on and knowing where your stuff comes from. If you're getting something from me, I have either picked it myself, grown it myself, picked it myself, foraged it myself, or I have done my research and where it's coming from. But I think it's really important to shop local and know the people that you're getting your herbal products from and not just some random box store supplement or capsules, which is something that I could go on a tangent about just that is, you know, the dried herb capsules that you get in the store that you don't really know what's in those capsules. So yeah. um, I just think it's important to use whole herbs and um, stuff that's ethically sourced. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and um, speaking of which, of foraging and wild crafting, uh, we were talking just for a second before we started recording about the region that you live in, which uh, I lived in that similar re region briefly last year. And I was like, do you want to talk about your region? And she said, well, basically, it's just real hot. <laughs> And yeah, it's, it's very hot, especially in the summer. I find it very hard to convince myself to go out and forage just because it's so hot. 
but there's so many good plants out right now that I have to, but we also have a much longer growing season here. Right. Um, Definitely. So I can sometimes get stuff in the spring and the fall and not have to be out in the middle of the summer. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so can you share with us maybe uh, two or three other plants that you do wild harvest and just a little bit about them, why you like to harvest them or what some of their benefits are? Sure. So another one that I love finding that's probably another one that people hate stepping on is sweet gum. Um, Yes, I'm so glad you're talking about this. Nobody talks about sweet gum. (laughs) I love sweet gum. And just mostly because it's everywhere. And I tend to gravitate towards plants that people find a nuisance, which is, says something about me probably, but, (laughs) but I love sweet gum. Again, I usually tincture it. I I have dried it in the past and used it in um, a tea, but I just didn't feel like it worked quite as well, but I use it it is antiviral, which a lot of people don't realize about it, and immune system boosting. So I will sometimes use that in conjunction with like elderberry and, and that sort of thing. But that's a big one. And my son loves to help me collect those because they're just so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one that I really love. Another can that's... you, um, real quick, what, sure. what stage are you collecting them in? When they're bright green. Okay. And then how On the ground. How do you, how are you processing them? They're, they're very easy. They're not anything like um, the walnut. If you get them when they're nice and bright green and fresh and just fell to the ground, I mean, you can just chop them up real, real easy. Obviously wash them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just, because <laughs> you're getting it off the ground generally. But, um, but yeah, they're, they're very easy to just chop up and throw in a tincture bottle. And you're, are you throwing in the husk and the seeds or is it just the seeds? I throw in the whole thing. Great. Now I think some people do use just the seeds, but I throw in the whole thing. Cool. That's, oh, that's so great. And do you know, cause I know there's been a lot of talk about this lately with elderberry and echinacea. Do you know if it is safe for folks with autoimmune issues? Oh, that is a touchy subject there, Abby. I know. Okay, we probably shouldn't even talk about that. Go do your research. Go do your own research. Because I do feel like it really, like, right, herbalism, which is why also why I love talking to herbalists, herbalism is a very individualistic science. And it's a very holistic science. So looking at the whole person and the whole plant, and so that's probably not even a question that I would ask. Um, and also, unfortunately, the political climate that we're in today, it's uh, tricky to yeah. ask certain things. So go do your research. And- right. And well, and I, all I will say is like you just touched on, I think it's different for everybody. Yeah. And so I don't think there is one right answer for that. And that's why I think it's just kind of a touchy thing because I don't want to say yes. And I don't want to say no. So it's definitely something I think each individual person needs to look into themselves. Yeah, for sure. Because I know certain people with autoimmune issues who can take elderberry and they're fine. I know other people who can only take it when they're not having a flare. And then there's other people who just don't at all. So yeah, so so please go do your research, especially if you have an autoimmune 
issue or you work with people who have autoimmune issues. Yeah. But it's always nice to have other options other than just elderberry and echinacea. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that one and it is one that can be prolific. And another one like black walnut where people curse it when it grows in their yard. So don't curse it, just make medicine. Yeah. That's going to be the next bumper sticker. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what's, what's another one you want to talk about? So the next one, we actually just talked about it a little bit, but um, probably my most favorite herb is dandelion. Mm. And again, because everybody hates it and everybody wants to get rid of it. And there's actually weed killers just geared towards (laughs) dandelion, but, and tools used just to get dandelion. But what I say to that is go and get those little dandelion picker tools and use them to your advantage. Yes. (laughs) But you know, the only thing I, I always caution people, if you are going to go and pick like the dandelions out of your front yard, which I encourage you to do, you, first of all, make sure you're not digging them all up because they will be gone. I try to wait until there's a little, the little puffball until it's gone to seed. And then I'll blow the little puffball, make sure that I'm reseeding before I pick it. But yeah, that's probably one of my, my favorites. I actually have a tattoo of dandelions on my arm. That's how much I love it. Yeah, um, I know I have one on my chest. I think we bonded over that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, but you know, just on top of everything that it's so good for, if you just think about the dandelion itself and how it can grow in the most adverse conditions, it can grow mm. literally where there's the teeny tiniest little bit of soil and just plants itself there and says, I don't care what you say, I'm going to grow. I just think there's so much power in that. And it brings that power into the medicine. That would be my next one for sure. And then another one that I really love is Usnia. Yeah. And I mean, people have that. And every time I show somebody, they're like, wait, what? I have that all over the place. I'm like, right. Yeah, of course you do. But that's another one that I love because you can't really just go foraging for it. It just appears. <laughs> yeah. So um, for folks who don't know, what is Usnia? So it's actually um, a lichen, right? That's how you say it, lichen. So it grows on, you're going to find it on branches that have fallen out of trees in your backyard or in the woods. And it looks like a little tuft of hair almost, or a little, um, like some seaweed or something growing off of a branch. But I love it because, like I said, it's usually something that's just kind of gifted to you. You just walk around and be like, oh, there's some right there. And I will dry it. And it is tricky to clean. That is the only downside to it. Because it's got all these little hairs to it. There's a lot of dirt and grime and stuff that gets stuck in those little hairs. And if you wet it too much or try to clean it too much, sometimes it just falls apart. Um, so that's that's the only thing with that. But but yeah, I love Usnia. Um, it has, people have used it as um, an antibiotic. I don't ever want to tell people to use that instead of an antibiotic, just in case you really needed that antibiotic. But it's certainly something you could try before going to a doctor. But usually I will use that if I'm going to, if I'm starting to feel something, if I think that 
you know, um, I've got some sort of a sinus infection, especially I've taken it for. So that's another one that I just love. <laughs> yes, definitely. And um, would you just, are there any practices you recommend for ethical harvesting of usnea? Um, so, I mean, if it's on a down branch and it looks like, I mean, I always, 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 and I'm sure if you're listening to the Wander School, school you know this, you don't ever take 100% of everything that you find. Right. You always want to leave some behind. I do try to kind of look around to make sure that I'm not taking, if I'm going to get a bunch of it, like if I walk through the woods and there's like tons of it everywhere, I'm going to make sure that there's still some around before I take it all. But usually it's up in a tree. So it's kind of hard to see because it's usually, if it's still growing and thriving, it's usually up in a tree still. Mm -hmm. um, once it's fallen by itself, not on a log anymore, it's pretty much not going to attach to anything again. Sometimes if it's a big log, sitting on the ground and the log is wet and has moss and everything all over it. That is probably still fairly alive and thriving. And I would probably leave that, but especially after a big windstorm, you can go through the woods and you'll find them all over the place and they've completely detached from the wood and they're not going to be able to grow on anything from there. So you're pretty safe to take it um, at that point. It's a great one and a weird one, right? Like how many sure. lichens do we make into medicine? That's the only one I can think of. So um, yeah, I think it's kind of cool, but I do always like to stress the ethics of harvesting it as well, because I For sure. need to, in some places, see it in abundance and think that we can harvest a lot of it, but it is way better for the usnea itself to harvest it off the ground, usually. Yeah. Yeah, I don't ever go up in a tree or anything to pick it. And like I said, if it's on a log that seems like it's really a habitat for, like I said, moss and all sorts of stuff that's still actively growing, I won't, I won't pick it from there either. I, most of the time it's on a branch that's blown down that I'm probably going to use for firewood. Or like I said, a lot of times you'll see it just blown down. It's not attached to anything. And that's really the best time to, to harvest it. Yay. So thanks so much for sharing that. It's always yeah. great. I love to give all the listeners some great education while we're here together. And it's so great to have such knowledgeable people on to share. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at your website right now. And I think you told me that you recently updated it. It's beautiful. And you sent me a whole list of questions to answer so that I can be on the blog, which I'm really excited about. Yay. Do you want to just talk to us uh, quickly about your new blog, what you, what kind of products you have for sale? And we are going to go into a more in-depth conversation um, in the bonus interview at patreon.com slash school after this um so check that out if you are interested but do you want to just give us a quick rundown of what is on your website and what you have available for folks that are listening and want to find out more yeah so the website it's not upgraded it's new <laughs> because my website got accidentally deleted 
so I had to rebuild it completely. But on the website, I do have uh, information about if you wanted me to come speak somewhere, um, ways to contact me, um, that sort of thing. Also, the store, I have, I want to say like 25 plus different types of tinctures on there. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it was a lot of work. So I have lots of tinctures on there. I also have the dandelion root coffee that we talked about. Lots of different herbal tea blends. All of my herbal tea blends are, while they do obviously taste wonderful, they are all for specific to treat specific things. And then also, of course, my I have a tab that has oils and salves. That's also got one of my top sellers, which is a pain relief massage oil. And it is absolutely wonderful. We use it here all the time. Yay. And then, of course, the herbal curriculum is on there. Uh, and I do have the blog on there. As of right now, the blog that is on there has some great fun stuff. It has a lot of like history of herbal medicine and that sort of thing. And what you were just talking about is a series that I'm going to be beginning in the next couple of weeks where I am interviewing different people in the um, natural health profession. So I've got a couple of herbalists. I've got um, someone who's a nutritionist. So I've got several different people on there, um, and that's going to be a really fun series to do. Like I said, that'll be starting to come up in a couple of weeks. We'll start seeing those released. Cool. Yeah, that's so exciting. I love that you're doing that. Can you just give us a little summary of your herbal curriculum, what that's about? Right. So the herbal herbal curriculum is for um, ages four to 12. Um, and that's a wide range. And the reason it's wide is because it's a very versatile curriculum that is herbal and nature-based. So there's herbal information every month. Um, you learn about two herbs and what they do. And then there's also all kinds of nature observation and weather observation and nature activities and also a full moon information for each month. So it's just kind of a fun way to teach science and language. You can use it as language arts curriculum because there's a lot of journal pages. So there's a lot of different ways that you can use it, but it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to get kids excited about learning this stuff. And what perfect timing right now. (laughs) So if you're home with your kids and they're making you crazy, or you just need extra resources for education, please check that out. And uh, is there anything else that is going on that you're excited about or that you just want to share with us? Just basically, I'm, I'm loving right now that people, you know, all these people who've been in quarantine for so long that they get to be out and doing stuff. So, mm. um, you know, make sure you're spending time outside. If you have questions about flowers or plants, Abby's probably your best bet, but you can also come to me. You know, I do have a workshop coming up in um, September that we are doing a tea duel, which I'm so excited about. And you will be learning about teas and make a leather teacup holster. Oh my God. Um, no, and if you don't know what that is, you can go to my events page on the website and I have a picture of it on there. And then we'll do a tea duel at the end. What's a tea duel? 
It's some, I, I had to look up the rules and stuff myself, but it seems to be more about dipping a biscuit in your tea and who can eat it the fastest <laughs> and cleanest. But it, it's going to be amazing and fun. Okay. That's great. I love it. I love anything tea, really. But yeah, that sounds super duper fun. And I'm so glad you're doing everything you're doing. Thank you so much. I know you put so much out into the world and I just really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And thank you so much for being here and sharing with everyone. Yeah. It, this so, has been a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. Well, um, definitely have to have you back. And I'm just going to say this, like, why not? Uh, because maybe that'll make me commit to it. But because I only record one podcast a month, because y'all, they take a lot of work and they're expensive, honestly. So um, if you love it, please donate patreon.com slash the water school. You'll get the extra recording with Jennifer, where we're going to be talking about cool plant-based curriculum for kids and you can support the production of podcasts, but because it is so much work, I have actually been thinking about debuting something where I talk to people who I've interviewed in podcasts and other plant people, and we just do a short video interview and talk about fun plant-related educational things. So now I'm committing to it. So Jennifer, <laughs> I would love to do that with you. And maybe we could do it like on Instagram and then also put it on YouTube afterwards. Yeah, fun. Yeah. So if y'all are interested, then you can leave comments on the blog at thewanderschool.com where Jennifer's adaptogen tea recipe will be. And maybe tell us some questions that you have for Jennifer or something that she talked about that you'd like to learn more about. So that'd be super fun. And um, before we go, will you please just give yourself some props <laughs> and tell folks all of the different platforms they can find you on and what your handle is on those platforms? Yeah, absolutely. So it's super easy because Facebook and Instagram and TikTok are all the same handle. They're all at Meadowlark Farms SC. So you can find me on all of those. And then of course, um, online at um, MeadowlarkFarmsSC.com. Um, and you should be able to link to all of those as well, right from there. Great, yeah, and I'll have links in the blog as well. So I think, that that's it for today even though I just want to ask you like about all of the herbs <laughs> we'll have to leave that for later and I'm so glad selfishly that we got a chance to talk <laughs> but I'm, I'm also glad that I got to share your wonderful knowledge and personality with the world so thank you and yeah and um, thanks to all of you for listening. And again, if you liked what you heard, please like the podcast. Please subscribe so you'll get all the new episodes. You can also sign up on the email list at thewanderschool.com and you'll get emails when each new episode comes out. And also leave me comments. I love hearing your feedback. 
And then if you want to support the production of the podcast, again, patreon.com slash the wander school, and you'll get the bonus interview that we're going to do right now about homeschool curriculum that is all about plants and herbs. So super duper exciting. Thanks y'all. Happy wandering, foraging, and wildcraft. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. Don't forget to check the show notes for all of the links from today's episode. Thanks so much to Tina and her pony for the use of their beautiful song, Medicine. I love hearing from all of you, so please leave me your comments. And if you like what you've heard, please rate and review this podcast and share with folks you know. You can keep learning and following my adventures on thewanderschool.com and the Wanderschool Facebook and Instagram pages. Happy wandering, foraging, and wildcrafting. Come on, everyone, and gather around. Listen to the soothing in this sound. I'm here to tell you that medicine don't come from a pill, it grows in the ground. The medicine we need grows all around.